Cyber Warrior Network Esports Podcast, where we discuss everything cybersecurity and identify talent in technology through esports. CWN is launching the first cyber esports league that validates cyber skills and matches players to fill real world cybersecurity jobs. From 2014 to 2016, Nigel LeBlanc, a United States Air Force veteran, served as the Cyber Veteran Program Manager for the state of Maryland, where he helped veterans launch businesses and careers in cybersecurity. Today, he serves as the founder and CEO of Cyber Warrior Network. In 2020, at DEF CON Red Team Village, a 14-year-old girl placed in the top 25 of her cyber esports tournament. Play well, get hired. CWN, a league of their own. And now, your host, Nigel LeBlanc. Hi guys, I want to thank General Wooden today for joining us at the Cyber Warrior Network. He's had an illustrious career within the military and U.S. Air Force. And we're going to jump right in and ask him, you know, let's start off by, sir, could you tell us about your military career, where you started and how did you end up in uh, cybersecurity? Sure. And it's a pleasure to be with you this morning as well. So, you know, I, I kind of fell into it, honestly, joined the military after college. Really. So I went the officer training school route for the Air Force and always with a thought at, at, at first that I was going to do something else. And it just kept being a great career. It kept being fun. And uh, next thing I know, 29 years had passed. Most of my work, probably a good three quarters of it, was doing the intelligence business. I started out as an imagery analyst, working that side of the house, transitioned to some more general intelligence kind of support to operations, somehow slipped into uh, the special operations world and spent about seven years in that world with uh, U.S. SOCOM, with uh, Special Operations Command Pacific, and ended up deploying with uh, special operations units, supporting them on the intel side. And then, honestly, cybersecurity kind of chose. In the Air Force, we we slowly, I think, evolved how we looked at cyber and cybersecurity, combining the communications and informations career fields with some of the intelligence career field. And I was sort of in the middle of that. And my first true cyber job was commanding the 67th uh, now cyber wing down in San Antonio. Texas. And that's when I just immersed myself. And really the last seven years of my career was was focused on cyber. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's it's kind of ironic that your last seven years in the military, you are, you know, you were thrown into this cyber role. You know, tell us about your transition into that role, any, especially from a high level perspective, right? You know, say, you know, your first year on, within the unit, what was your biggest takeaways or challenges that you experienced within that? Honestly, the, the, the most interesting thing for me, I, I have to tell you, so I, I, I came in you know, from a, a very focused intelligence role, and the, the 67th wing is, is interesting in the dynamic. It's a little different than, say, the Army cyber is and, and how some things have transitioned and, and evolved. But we both ran networks and defended networks, and we also prepared for offensive capabilities as well. And, and I knew very little about running networks, frankly. You know, I had a little bit better understanding about cyber defense just from a threat intelligence perspective, but that was talk about jumping in the deep end for me. 
I felt like that was one of the most important things that I could do as a leader, however, because we were bringing in all these disparate career fields that for a long time in the Air Force had not really talked to each other all that much or only occasionally say at certain agencies or in, in certain areas of, you know, very limited contact. And now all of a sudden we had a wing full of folks who came from backgrounds as varied as network support at, at a at a base level, all the way to folks who, you know, had been sitting rack in three-letter agencies, if you will, that were focused on the threat and on uh, potential adversaries. Bringing them together was my big task. And uh, I had to really immerse myself in just basic understanding. You know, I was, I was never going to be the guy that really totally understood the beeps and squeaks, if you will, and the bits and the bites. But I had to bring those disparate groups together. And I think that was my goal as I worked with them and found out a lot more about running networks and how important that was and then how it all integrated together from operations, a defensive mindset, offensive capabilities. So at CyberWare Network, we, we, we strive to translate all of the knowledge, skills, and abilities from the mil- military perspective into what civilian employees can understand. Did you have that issue, not as far as translating, you know, those skills within the military, you know, creating a common lexicon to all of those groups that you now had to bring together to work, you know, essentially creating one force? How did you overcome those struggles with different processes of the various groups and agencies that you had to work with? No, it was a real, it was difficult. I, I will say I'm not sure it was as difficult as the translation you're talking about from, from the public sector or from the military sector um, or, or the government sector to the private industry world. But I do think it was certainly, to your point, difficult. The, the, the mitigating factor was at the, at, at the case of the, the 67th was we were all airmen first. And I think that kind of a mindset was absolutely critical, and it is transferable if you think about it. The idea, first and foremost, that if you could focus on the mission or focus on what we were trying to do, and then the piece that each person played, that was a first step in overcoming some of the the different varied groups. One of the other things that we did very early that, that I thought was very successful is is we stopped a lot of the the segregation that had went on that had gone on between the three groups that were part of the wing uh, before it was competition only for all practical purposes and instead we started doing as much integration guys that had been running networks their whole life but really hadn't spent a whole lot of time on the security sector got immersed and vice versa we traded off some folks I remember the first exercise that we did with this mindset and um, deliberately we, we, we choose, we, we chose sides, if you will, and then exercised against each other before we had never done that. It had always been disparate groups and just put walls between them. It was fascinating because for the first time, folks that had been not really immersed in threat intelligence, for instance, all of a sudden realized we had people that, and they'd been in the group or been in the wing for, for some time. The conversely, Folks that sort of had focused on, say, you know, very focused adversarial tactics and those sorts of things as a cyber uh, warrior got a chance to immerse themselves in just the basics of keeping a network up and the difficulties that that can sometimes be. That 
changed really the focus of the wing in a way that was positive and continues today. Some of my favorite folks that I still like to keep in touch with, and some are still in the military and some have transitioned to to the civilian sector, were people that had a chance over time to serve in positions in both what I would call cyber defensive capabilities and then to focus on adversary threat and 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 jumping back and forth between created a unique cyber warrior that I think to this day is is the model of where we should go in understanding the the, the impact across the spectrum of intelligence of network operations and then defending and, and potentially using a network operationally against potential so you ran large organizations and commands in the in the military. Tell us about your transition and, you know, essentially, why did you choose to have a startup or a company of your own, you know, versus going to work for a large consulting group or, or agency that worked within cybersecurity? Well, that has been an adventure all its own. And I, and I will say that that I've learned a lot in transition and I'm still learning Uh it, I did spend about uh, six or seven months with a small cybersecurity startup. That was a learning experience in itself, and, and I had a chance to understand more about the business side of, of the private sector, which I think is absolutely critical for us as we uh, transition from the military and, and bring the capabilities that I think we do have as, as, as transitioning cyber warriors to the private sector. But I will be honest, as I've been working towards my own consulting business, it is a whole lot of fun. It is a whole lot of fun to, to, to work for yourself, but it is tough. And I think that, you know, one of the key things is having patience and a willingness to keep an open mind and, and learn as much as you are able to, to, to bring in because that'll make you able then to better position yourself to then give what we know as uh, as 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 we are able to understand uh, better what the needs are of the outside people. The transition, I think, was has been more difficult in that it takes time and timing is critical. Understanding the different markets, all of those things, but the reward of working for yourself is 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 really, really f- fun for me because as I talk to companies and as I, I, I talk to small companies and big companies, I found that I wanted to be able to touch as much as I could. And that so different companies in the financial sector, companies here in Texas in the oil and gas sector, as well as continuing to work occasionally with the Department of Defense and the, the public sector to see if, you know, can go back and and help them as as folks continue to, to try to connect back and forth. Bottom line is it, it's it flexibility is is paramount when you're your own boss, but it's also you wake up in the morning and it is you know a little different in that you try to figure out how you can, you know, be a business. And that part is is ongoing for me, but I I thoroughly enjoy the idea of working for myself and trying to take the the best of what I have learned in the military and translate that to others across the board. You know, whereas if you're working for a specific company, there is great value in the team concept that goes with that. But you tend to going to you, you tend to going to be focused with that particular company's uh, business plan. 
so in terms of um you know balancing policy compliance and security you know in your experience how do you think you know in you know dealing with evolving threats does that help the mission or hinder the mission you know and can you describe a scenario to support any one of those uh, comments so you know I, I i had a chance to speak to a group of public sector sales force from a, a major it company and and one of the things that I told them as, as we were talking through, you know, various scenarios for them to be better IT salespeople, especially in the public sector, I said, the balance between security and usability, which is really what we're talking about, is, is the most critical part of cybersecurity. And it's one that I think all of us in the business, whether in the public or private sector, struggle with. You know, the old saw of the only secure computer is unplugged and, and pulled away and thrown it under a desk or something, that there was a time, I think, when, you know, we certainly were accused of thinking that way. And the reality is, is that when you have the right, I'll call it mission focus for us in, you know, that have been in the military or are in the military, but you could just as easily in the private sector call that, you know, business focus. When the entire team has that, then you start to have this balance. It is absolutely the most critical thing that a security person does because it it will it will then correspond to you know how much money is spent in security. It will correspond to you know how the security personnel, whether you know if you're thinking in terms of business world, the CISO, or if you're talking in terms of the, the cybersecurity folks that are part of a, a military operation, how well the senior leadership, whether that's a C-suite kind of person or whether that's a senior officer, how well they respond to your security concerns. If you come to them without an understanding of the mission itself, you lose that battle every time, even if you're well-versed in cybersecurity capabilities and and even the threat because i think that's the other part is it ultimately becomes an issue of risk but risk is is a funny thing and we can talk more about it but you have to balance the vulnerabilities of your own organization with the threat and you can't overemphasize either one really because ultimately that's how you come up with an equation that your senior leadership who may not be uh, a cybersecurity expert, but who wants to be safe, but ultimately they also want that business to be uh, successful. I think the other thing that's important as you balance these things, and balance is the exact word, is the buy-in of the personnel of the organization. That is more and more in my mind, one of the most critical aspects of cybersecurity. And of course, it's not technical at all. Somebody asked me about you know, the idea of insider threat, for instance. And of course, there are many, many technical solutions being worked out there. I'm not sure any of them work perfectly. Certainly, there's still more work to do. And my point to them was, to a great extent, that's a leadership issue. That's an issue that the senior leadership has to handle in terms of employees being happy <laughs> at one level, but also being part of that organization and understanding how important that is to, to the organization itself. Companies that have that kind of uh, environment will have less of an insider threat issue than companies that, that have discord and problems. 
And there is no technical solution at all that can handle that sort of an issue. Understanding those kinds of vulnerabilities, if you will, ends up being a cybersecurity concern and will instruct how you balance your policies and how you will be able to have uh, compliance taken, taken care of in that organization. So when we work towards, you know, everybody understanding what the mission is, everybody being a part of that and understanding that cybersecurity is a piece of that, we take the first steps to that risk equation, if you will. And I think that has to instruct how that company, how that organization will handle that balance. And I've seen that now being outside of the military to work both ways, depending on the, that those two issues, the buy-in and the, and the understanding that so that's that's a great answer, sir. You know, you talked you talked about risk initially when we when I asked you this question. You know, civilian practitioners seem to be more risk averse in comparison to you know cyber warriors from the military. You know, one of the key things that you hit on is you know having a sense of mission. You know, the old adage is one team, one fight, and I think you know military members, especially cyber warriors, you know, really embody that that mantra. You know, one team, one fight. You know. In your experience, has that created friction between, you know, military members working with civilian companies in terms of, you know, being, you know, more able to take on risk and understanding the adversary versus, you know, working with the culture company of, you know, civilian startups or or companies? Yes, in general. But I, I will say this. I think there are certain private sector companies that are learning to to handle risk better. And so I, I think it's very situationally dependent. At least that's been my recent experience. And I think that's a good thing. And I'm even going to step out there and say, to some extent, that is a, a positive value as we've seen folks transition into the private sector because they bring that capability. You know, to your point, I, I think that even in the the military, we may have had a time where we were not as good handling risk in the cyber IT world. And I think we transitioned very capably that way in the last few years. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of what our cyber has been doing, for instance. And, and I think that that has helped the military in that right. To, to your point, what I think that we do well, and we're continuing to be better and better in the military, and this is what has to translate to help that friction, if you will, is something that I think in the military, we almost take for granted. And in the Air Force, specifically, they call it operational risk assessment. And at various times, pilots get it, you know, and it, it kind of translates down other people. We almost do this by default because we're trained ultimately to take risk in, in our mission environment. But it's a way of communicating risk almost quantitatively. And yeah, there's some level of uh, ambiguity with it because, you know, Let's say I'm going to fly an airplane and I make a decision. Okay, well, the weather's this way. The mission is this way. I put it all together and, and I come up with an equation that says, okay, the risk of this mission is medium, so let's go fly. We, we translate that pretty well when we understand what our operational requirements are in, in the cyber world. And I think we do that every day. And being able to describe accepting risk that way as we translate into the private sector is really, really important. If we just say, dude, let's take some risk, uh, 
then we don't have the buy-in again of of the folks that may not be as comfortable understanding what we mean by that. Again, if the business is paramount, if the company has to make money, if the requirement um, is for, I'll call it just enough cybersecurity, and we we don't understand that if we try to take a public sector view that, well, you know, we've always, because, you know, I've come from a DOD perspective where the threat is high, that th- we understand that, re-understanding that based on where we're going and the company we're with is going to be critical for us to describe how that risk fits in and just how much you need to take, boss, versus, you know, we can, we can, we can move that slider back and forth to find the right balance of this company will do well and 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 yet we can take this much risk that sort of thing those sorts of conversations will ameliorate that uh that concern and that that conflict that comes from i come from a military background you come from a business background how do we meet at the middle and i think that's where we have to communicate better so it's interesting that you you know you point out the fact that you know, military members, you know, we we have this risk assessment and, and we kind of live by it, you know. So apart from that being one of the key values that a cyber warrior could bring to the, the civilian sector, in terms of quantifying that and being able to manage that risk from a business perspective, you know, what, what are the other traits or, or the unique um, capabilities you believe that, and you can just give, you know, your top two or three that you think a cyber warrior can bring to, you know, the civilian sector? One of the key things is where I came from. You know, as an intelligence officer, I felt like I fit in as well as I could have with respect to cybersecurity. I did not have the, you know, key background in terms of some of the basic IT capabilities. I had to learn that on my own. But threat intelligence, it, you know, we in the military, we have used that extraordinarily well, in my opinion. It's an area that I think we bring to the private sector, you know, across the board, whether it's in cooperation or whether it's somebody who comes to work in the private sector, the idea of understanding the adversary uh, or the potential adversary, and then being able to translate that into those vulnerability threat risk equations for my particular company. It it's it's a it's a trait that. I have not seen as much. It's own, it's nascent in the private sector, and it's something that we have believed primarily. I think because you know our basic operational uh, mindset has always been, or at least in in recent years, certainly that intelligence drives operations, which then provides more intelligence. When we do cybersecurity that way, we become even stronger. The other thing that, and including the other thing being most of our cyber warriors have lots and lots of experience. DOD is a prime target. And when you're a prime target, you get to have experience doing actual cybersecurity. And so we're like the firemen that are always called out. So we have that unique capability and in, in, in background. But the last thing that I, I was struck by is I was thinking the other day, and, and, and so this is not a totally original thought, but somebody else was talking about the principle of combined arms uh, that we use in the military where we're we're really really good at bringing to bear multiple capabilities to to fight a particular adversary you know we think of combined arms of course as air 
and land and infantry and cavalry and, and artillery and armor. But cyber can fit into that mindset. And as we bring cyber as a warfighting domain militarily, it helps us to understand that it's not just something that's off by itself, but it is part of a team effort that you, you, you alluded to. And when you bring cyber in with different, you know, what even kinetic effects come sometimes, but you can translate that in the business world to how you do business and uh, physical security and those, those sorts of things. That marriage is something that our uh, cyber warriors naturally understand. You come from an intelligence background. You know, I think all too often academia and industry is focused on, you know, like the education and certification, you know, when it comes to trying to find the right fit for a specific, you know, cyber role or or job out there. And not really, you know, the human psychological warfare that's behind those um, cyber attacks. You know, what what strategies did you use, you know, within your command, you know, that you gave to your warfighters, you know, that, you know, in your mind resulted as, you know, having advantage over uh, our adversaries within cybersecurity? It's kind of funny because I, I like to say, you know, I spent seven years in, in special operations, but I was certainly not special. But I had, you know, great opportunities to work with uh, folks from that that world. And and I was able to practice intelligence, but in that world. And, and one of the things that you learn is is how it's, it's an axiom, how people are more important than hardware. And I have kind of continued that view. And I did when I was certainly a wing commander in terms of cyber operations and, and still believe that today is that the human portion of, of that value proposition, if you will, is typically almost, well, it's going to be more important every time when working in the security area, when trying to stop an adversary, it is, uh, at one level, uh, human against human, the, the, you know, whether, whatever the adversary is, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a nation state or something different, it's still a human being using tools. And if we think of ourselves as strictly a technical capability, I think we always lose that. But if we go into that, I thinking in terms of how do I free my analyst, how do I free my cybersecurity warriors up so that they can focus on, on how they worked against those things. We, we were able to find a better, a more, I call it a happy medium, but it was a better situation for us in terms of how we were able to defeat constantly changing in capabilities. The other thing that was important to me, and I kind of alluded to that, you know, is an, an offensive defensive mindset, if you will. And, and the, the analogy I use is, uh, is cybersecurity is a little bit you know, I, I know analogies always fail a little bit, but if you take like a football game, if if I can defend against a pass by tackling a quarterback for a 10-yard loss, that is way better than backing off in a prevent defense and then, you know, hoping that I defend against the pass or maybe tackle a guy 40 yards down the field. Taking that extra step of, being, you know, and there's various words that we've used for it, active defense or or whatever, but it's a it's an aggressiveness that if you take that into cybersecurity, it can make all the difference because you actually can unbalance the the adversary and you can make them react to you versus always reacting to them. 
some of that is simply mindset. Some of it was taking people that we had that had worked on the offensive side, you know, pre- preparation or, or or otherwise, and bringing them into defensive positions to, so that they could bring that mindset. Some of it is is just the way that, again, you use the threat intelligence that you've been given to prepare your own defensive situation. But the bottom line is you think in terms of a more aggressive security posture. This is, And it's not becoming offensive, right? It, but it is thinking that way so that you then, your, your people are more aware of things. They're, they have a heightened sense of, of what's important. And I think that the net result is you become a more effective group. So, sorry to come full circle in terms of um, what you said. You know, we talked about you know the military has this you know total force uh, capability to to bring that to the fight, and then you know we talked about the the mindset, the one team, one fight, the mission. How do you bring all of those you know three together in in and into the private sector? And even to foster collaborations between, you know, federal agencies and startups. I think startups have um, a really hard time, first of all, targeting um, their customers and then, you know, also being able to actually interact with a, a large agency. So so what what advice would you have to bring in that that total force to from a startup to an agency? One of the key things uh, that, that I and I noticed this uh, having worked a little bit with a startup and, and seeing the differences between some that are successful and some that are not is knowing, <laughs> knowing what exactly to bring. We have these skill sets. We have these uh, things that, that you mentioned and, and that I, I've talked about. But there is still a requirement for the startup, if you will, and for the folks that are working that way to conform to business Rules. Business rules still apply. Was something that I, I I would I would tattoo on my chest if thinking about this. Uh, good business rules don't go away just because I'm a good cybersecurity expert. And if I lose that focus, I will I will not be able to translate those skills into the private sector or in a, a startup situation. Some of that comes from a difference in mindset with. In the government side, we tend to share less from security perspective, a cyber, sorry, a classification kinds of things. And the business sector is not very receptive to that kind of a world. They need to have a more open, collaborative environment. That doesn't always fit where our mindset came from, especially if we were working classified kind of types of environments. And, and so we need to have an open-mindedness to take those skill sets and translate them the best we can. To some extent, the more that sharing and openness happens across government and and industry, that's going to just be better that way as well. I think that understanding that, you know, even though we're in an environment that is no longer as constrained from an acquisition perspective, which, you know, we all live with on the government side and are frustrated with sometimes in, in terms of our inability to grab the tech solutions that we think should be there. Now that it, it's almost like a kid in a candy store where you can get the best tech, you have to stop for a second and remind yourself that, in fact, your best capabilities sometimes are not technical at all, but are your people. And, and cultivating that's going to be just as critical. To that end, I would say that there's a side perspective with that, and, and this is kind of that analogy of 
of cybersecurity and, and the cyber world in general, the World Wide Web, whatever, is <clears throat> still very much of a wild, wild west in the sense that there are a lot of there we lack a lot of standards, frankly. That that's an area that we've got to do better at the highest level between government and industry, because to this day there's still the equivalent, you know, of the snake oil salesman out there. And that we don't want to be a part of that either as we transition, say, from military to to the private industry. We need to bring the very best of our of our solution sets to bear and not focus on things that may or may not be fully uh, vetted, fully capable, and and also not fall into the trap of buying all this stuff now because I can because you end up going down roads that aren't very healthy as well. And I've seen some companies fail, frankly, because of that versus the ones that, again, take the cybersecurity expertise, but overlay the top of, you know, good business practices. Not all the stuff that's in industry is bad. You know, the idea of profit and loss, the idea of, of smart uh, budgeting and some of these things we, we can, we can take from that. And I think those, as we, as we move into that, area, whether we're a, a new employee or are trying to, to work a new startup or a company of our own, uh, being open-minded to those sorts of things, being able to translate our mission focus, our, our, ex, our enthusiasm for a mission to the business focus into terms that, that they understand in the, in the business world, whether it's you're trying to get a loan, let's say, and you're at a bank, or you're trying to sell yourself to somebody in a, in a corporation, they will very quickly get turned off by both too technical a solution or too technical a discussion with respect to cybersecurity, but also too military discussion that doesn't help them understand in terms they, and they, they can, they can uh, grasp. So you're, you're working within, you know, industry and you have large customers and you have mid-sized customers. And I'm assuming that you may have some small businesses as well. Um, you know, what advice can you give to young entrepreneurs or cyber warriors looking to, to start their own startup in terms of, you know, let's say your three biggest opportunities that you see um, on the horizon. You know, you talked a lot about, you know, the human element behind cybersecurity, which, you know, we believe that, you know, th there's a lot of work to be done there. But besides that, what opportunities do you see, sir? I would counsel one thing first, patience. It, it is, it takes a lot longer. I, I have, I had a friend who is in the business world come to me the other day and, and he said to me, you know, Every consulting company, just for instance, takes about two years to get established. And I, I laughed because I thought, well, I'm seeing that. And, and it does take a while to be established. So I, I counsel patience. It, it is, is very frustrating, frankly, because the reality is, it is it's still what they say. It is still all about networking. And you can put yourself out there as much as you can. You can do all of the you know, resumes and LinkedIn profiles and and websites and so forth it will still boil down to a friend talking to a friend, talking to a colleague, talking to a, an acquaintance, and there'll be a connection. So you have to kind of be ready for that and, and at the same time understand that that takes time to percolate. And I, I've never seen it do anything else but that. There might be the flash in the pans, 
But for the most part, everybody that I've met and, and know that's come out of the military, it's taken a little bit of time to 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 develop that those relationships. The other thing is, is I think, and this is a hard one, uh, but it's finding your right niche. Cybersecurity is very complex. We all we know that, and there are very few people that do it all, and certainly do it all well is is pretty rare. It, other than perhaps you know in some supervisory role or in a translation role, you know, translating the, the cybersecurity talk to say business talk. But for the most part, we have niches that are, we're better at and finding that is just as critical as finding the need. I mean, both are, are important, but if you want to do a niche that you're not prepared to do, that can be a problem. By the same token, you can have this capability and you bring it to the wrong area then you've also just built a wall that that you may may not be able to overcome. I have a very good friend, perfect example, who spent about eight years in the military and got out with an idea of, of, of doing exactly this. Great cybersecurity specialist and expert, frankly. And what he did was found that niche. He could have done a lot of different things. He had the background of, of the folks that, you know, a true cyber warrior that, you know, in terms of cyber defense and understanding security. But in his case, he went into app security and has built a great successful business in part because he understands that that's his business profile. So he doesn't try to do too much. He doesn't try to get into other people's business. He provides the very best in that realm and their company is highly regarded today and I wouldn't call it a startup anymore they're 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 established but finding that niche is a is a an internal search what is what can I do best what do I enjoy doing what what where's my focus and then where's the need out there i i i knew it to in in a less a less good you know, not a not so good example was small company I know of that wanted to provide cybersecurity to financial institutions and decided early on that they were going to go against, you know, bring their capability to some of the biggest banks and, and financial institutions that are out there. Well, most of those big banks, you know, the, the city banks, the Wells Fargo's and those kind of companies they already are there in many respects. They they have capabilities that sometimes are very similar to what we think of full, full up rounds in the military. By the same token, there are a ton of small financial institutions in most every town that that cannot afford the larger scale cybersecurity and, and may be crying out for that capability. But this company didn't think that that was the market they wanted to go into. They missed what I thought, honestly, was a good match, and and that probably hurt their capabilities. So, tying those two things together are are going to be critical for the, the entrepreneur in in terms of knowing yourself and also then knowing the 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 where the potential is. Today, you know, it, it's I think there are a lot of folks finding that there are areas that require cybersecurity that they hadn't thought about and. I think that those folks that are looking for opportunities need to cast their net wider. You know, here in Texas, uh, for instance, the oil and gas communities are really, you know, I, and I don't want to understate this, but but they they're they're just getting into the cybersecurity world, and they need it, and they understand they need it, 
But the next step is they don't know what they exactly need. They they don't need everything, right? And and so that's part of the that balance that, uh, that comes. But they need that person that can come in, translate what they've learned in the military, what they understand with respect to threat and, and vulnerability and risk, and then translate that to the to the, in this case the oil and gas community. There are dozens of other communities like that that have not totally been faced with the the problems of cyber vulnerabilities, but they're getting there. And that match will be critical for our folks that are coming out of the military and want to want to be entrepreneurs and want to bring what they know is, I think, understanding themselves, uh, understanding both their skill sets and their limitations, finding that piece, you know, and, and I think there is some sense of it, not just if you're good at it, but also do you love doing it? And do you like doing it? And then finding the right target environment that is interesting and 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 will be receptive to that and and take take advantage of that. That's the marriage right there, and that's that's the marriage that will start success. It does take time, and it takes networking because generally you're not going to walk out of the military knowing right away all of that. So you you know more and more, it, 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 I, I couldn't overemphasize. You can never talk to somebody enough. You can never have that breakfast meeting enough. You can never have enough conversations with that friend of a friend of a friend of a colleague of a friend. People are out there. They want to do this. They want to have these conversations, but you've got to find them. And 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 that's the that's the quest. You've got the skill sets. Now it's just a matter of of doing that part of it and being open to new ideas and and uh, and then you take your skill sets to the to that particular area. Sir, that is so true. It, in my experience, you know, uh, with with my failed startups, you know, transitioning out of the military, I I knew that I wanted to become an entrepreneur, but you know, the military prepares us to be war fighters, not not entrepreneurs and although we have all of the great skill sets and, you know, philosophies that um, every good entrepreneur has, you know, we're not taught how to create a, a winning business model and how to to really focus on our customers and 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 whatever our niche is, so what what you just just said, you know, I've lived it, uh, you know, and you know, on this emotional roller coaster for for startups, it, it is it's very true that especially within cybersecurity, you know, it, you know, it's a siloed and and trusted type of environment, so creating great relationships and and networking and putting yourself out there, you know. To my, my next question is, what services um, do you provide within your own uh, business? And how did you, you know, choose or, or come up with your niche and and identify your customers that you currently serve today? So generally, you know, as a consultant, you know, there are days when you feel a little bit like that. Uh, I'm not quite sure what I provide because, it, you know, I, I'm never going to be the person that is going to be doing the technical solutions. But but there are plenty of folks that do that. I Two two of the things that I think are are critical for me is one is is that translate. I think it's something that we, if we do it well in the military, we're really good at it. And that is that point we've talked about where we translate the technical skills, we translate the 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 work that is done, you know, at the ground level, you know, the where the rubber meets the road, to to the mission, to you know. How is that going to fit in the combined arms mentality? And 
that's a skill set that is 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 required at some levels whether you know it's a ceo that of you know that okay i need cyber you know give me a pound of it you know and and how how does that translate then to the well here's what you need here is what these guys can offer here's how it fits into your business uh, model and, and and how you can communicate with them effectively it turns out that that's not a trivial task sometimes and and again, I think it's as much pushing pushing back sometimes when the the cybersecurity professional or capability or company wants to blanket you. You know, your company needs this. Well, the reality is not everybody needs uh, that much cybersecurity, and I, I I think that gets back to the understanding the risk. And some of it is yes, the threats are profound. But the threat against your particular organization may not, it may be this much as opposed to that much. And that means, you know, because of your business model, we can do a lot with, with a, you know, just something as simple as, okay, you know, we just need to up your, you know, basic antivirus of your system, or we need to just protect this part of your network. And, 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 and having that conversation changes a dynamic because now it may fit into their business model and now you've improved their cybersecurity. You've you may have matched a business with a business. That kind of a conversation is critical. And then I think the other part is something that we, even in the military from time to time, have not always done well in the old think IT world that we used to be a part of as before we transitioned to the cybersecurity kind of cyber warrior type environment. And that was the idea of looking at cyber strategy, it's a very tactical business, you know, and, and at the end of the day, what we do often is, you know, almost like a, like a chess move where the, the potential adversary or the adversary moves a pawn and we counter move. And if you think of the game that way and you're a chess player, you lose because you've got to think in terms of the whole game and that's a different mindset and that's something that I try to provide to companies, both the kind that want to work with DOD, perhaps they have capability that they'd like to bring to public sector and also in, in the private sector in general. Understanding that cybersecurity can fit into your whole strategy and that you can look at it strategically is something I think we all are still learning, growing. I don't think the government has it right yet. We're trying, but I think it's it's an area that based on you know experience in senior leadership's positions in cyber, I feel like it's something that I can bring. And and to your point, I I I have at least one client that is a very very big company, and I have another client that's uh, not big at all to by by example. But they both often have the same basic questions. And at the end of the day, if they're if they're if they're too tactical, they will miss the, they they will miss the point, and they might even gain a contract or gain a single opportunity, but they'll lose the larger opportunity to grow with a customer or grow with a partner. And that's what I want to try to bring is, is a, a normalcy, if you will, in the, in the provision of cybersecurity to industry and then from industry when, when they partner with government, which is also a, a major part of what I try to help some of these companies who, you know, they look at whether it's DOD or whether it's other agencies or or even at different levels, state and local governments, how can they help those organizations do cybersecurity? 
Yeah, that's a great answer. In the essence of time, uh, we'll move on to our lightning round here in a second. But we definitely have to bring you back on. Uh, I think we could um, continue this conversation for hours. There, there, there's so much to talk about. What could you tell our listeners what books or top two books or three books that um, you recommend that you've read or you're currently reading right now? One of each. I, I recently read uh, or, or reread Dick Clark's book, and and the name just escaped me, so I'll have to I'll have to grab. It, but you can you can, oh it's 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 called Cyber War, and and to me, for folks that are trying to transition military to civilian, that's a good one because it he he's he's a guy I met years ago, and really really is again not a technical guy, but a guy who thinks in terms of of how how things are and how things can be and and i i I recommend that one a lot to folks and, uh, and the other one is a novel that I have just forgotten the name, and I apologize, but it it I will have to look it up because I read it and it's really really good and it's it's one of the best novelizations that I have read in terms of how cyber fits into the big uh, picture. And I'm going to have to pull it up because I had it in my key. But those are the two, you know, that are related to this and particular subject. And I'm going to have to find it for you. Yeah, okay. We, we can definitely add those to... <laughs> I will have to, yes. <laughs> yeah, no worries, sir. We can add those to the... We'll add links to the um, show notes uh, on the website uh, once this comes out. So, you know, any parting words, you know, 30 seconds to, you know, it, it doesn't really have to be... Yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be cyber, but uh, you know, just just anything uh, parting words on our conversation here. 30 seconds. Go ahead, sir. Transition is is kind of scary, but it happens to every one of us that are in the military. I think that you have great skill sets and the key is to still be open to different things. The the pub, private sector is different and you have great things that you need to bring to it. But you've got to be open to understanding uh, them as well, because they want us and they're crying out for us. But they they also expect us to conform to some extent to their skill sets, their capability. Our leadership styles may have to change. We have to keep up with the great expectations that they have of us as cyber warriors, the skill sets, the discipline, the, the, the things that come with our military thing. But we also have to defeat bad expectations that they sometimes bring along with us that are stereotypes. And when we do that, we tend to be very, very successful in, in the private sector. And I, I see lots of it happening. And I think it's a, it's a target rich environment for us in the, that are transitioning from the military to the civilian sector. It's been great to be a part of this too today. Sir, it's been awesome having you on and we definitely have to, to, to bring you back on again. For our listeners out there who would like to get in contact with you, how do they reach you and what's the best method um, of getting in contact? So I, I, I love getting emails and I'm, I'm more than happy to answer them. The easiest one, I think you'll you, you, if you put up a link, it's Kevin at uh, Kevin Wooten, all one word, and that's all O's, W-O-O-T-O-N dot com. And uh, I'm also, you can look me up on LinkedIn and you can connect with me there if you, if you, if you don't have that email, but I'm more than happy to, to chat about different things, what I see and if I can be of service or help. Thanks for listening to the CWN Esports Podcast. Check us out on CyberWarriorNetwork.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn.